I'm a stupid bitch. I'm a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. Hi guys and welcome to this week's episode of Dumb Bitch Media. Hey, how's it going? Good. I am stoned and I am caffeine zooted for the Lord. <laughs> nice. I'm serious. I'm on my second pot of coffee by myself because I've been cleaning my house all day and I actually remembered to take my Adderall and I've been vaping all day. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. <laughs> but I feel dread. That's good. I'm ready to discourse. Nice. I thought you were going to say discord and I was like, uh. Oh, discord is chat for gamers. I've been in a discord. For pervert reasons? Improv. <gasps> <laughs> Improvisers are losers. Oh yeah. my god. It was so lame. Yeah. So That's so funny. The only reason why, so like previously to the podcast that I just guested on, in which I was really nervous that I was going to fuck up Discord, was I had used it twice before. Once was because I was in a Discord for, like, a subscription hentai that I pay for. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, like, being in a hentai... I'm aware. <laughs> being in a hentai Discord was, like, holy fuck, I am truly just, like, a hentai hobbyist. Right. I'm not, like, hentai is life. Mm-hmm. Because these people were into stuff too heavily that was, like, too weird. Yeah, that's weird. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I was like, oh, damn, I'm, like, amateur. I need to leave this Discord, even though it's included... <laughs> Included in the Patreon tier. <laughs> I can't be here. I no. was, someone added me to like a weird pervert discord once and then I like left immediately. Yeah, it's disgusting. I was like, I don't, I'm, I'll just go out to the real world. Yeah. Who, <laughs> you know what, what I mean? this for? Like I didn't just sex yeah. one-on-one or whatever. And I did one time call someone overseas on discord for horny reasons. For friendship reasons. For horny friendship reasons. Recently? <laughs> uh, a few months ago. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. What else is up? I got a full-time job. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And I got told to delete all my social media. <laughs> is that the first time that you've had your social media dropped by a workplace? Like, no, it's happened to me before with the same workplace, but they kind of have been leaving me alone because they were, like, really fucking me. hmm Yeah. And because all the seasonal or the, like, contract positions don't have, like, any specific, specific social media rules, it says, like, you know, mm-hmm. basic stuff, but there's some pretty intense um, HR stuff in the package that I was reading about, like, being nonpartisan and yeah. all that type of stuff, so, Yeah. yeah. But, okay, so this was always my logic. So I was working for the federal government, as I've mentioned on the podcast before, and they had really intense, what I would consider basically unconstitutional rules Mm -hmm. about your social media usage as an employee of the federal government. Yeah. And during those meetings, everyone would always fucking look at me because I would always ask about it and push back on the policies and whatever. But one thing that, like, I'm always wondering about, and this, like, so this wasn't covered by the federal government policies, like I said, how could you possibly get in trouble for your social media presence if it's not necessarily linked to your name and you don't post about where you work specifically? Exactly. Like, for example, your Twitter account doesn't say your real name no, on it. No, and neither does my Instagram. Right. So. Mm-hmm. 
it shouldn't be an issue unless people that you work with follow you. My Twitter account isn't even linked to an email address that I use for anything other than specifically the creation of my Twitter account. Yeah. There are people that follow me who I've worked with before, but I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to block all of them. Mm -hmm. And then on my Instagram, I'll probably block them for my story. Mm -hmm. We'll see. But definitely for my story, I already have them blocked, but I'm also going to unassociate my Instagram with my phone number. Yeah. I'm going to take my phone number off it and change the email address associated with it. And then... Good call. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm already in the matrix. I know I am. Yeah. I've worked for the same company for like six years. So yeah. I'm already I'm already in there. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But you can't find me if you Google my name or anything like that. No, me neither. And that was always my argument when people were concerned about my mm-hmm. social media presence or whatever for my job. That was really freeing. I did that too. I blocked all my family members yeah. and my coworkers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. None of my coworkers followed me. But I have a theory that one of them was lurking me, for sure. But also, I did exactly the same thing on Instagram, too, where Mm -hmm. I just blocked all my coworkers and all my family members. And some people requested me after I blocked them, or, like, I had soft-blocked them, I guess. Yeah. um, And then went temporarily private. I'm private. Yeah, it was liberating. (laughs) Yeah, To be honest. um, I'm really lucky because... Someone with the exact same name as me wrote a book about sex trafficking. Yes. So I'm completely ungoogleable. If you doodle me mostly stuff about, like, various articles that I've been <laughs> quoted in. Really? Oh, yeah. A few. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, I fucking hated the policy at my government job because it was very, like, nonpartisan stuff. But my argument was that, first of all, again, it's where I work and my name are not associated to any of my social media. Yeah. Second of all, I'm not critiquing specific policies that are relevant to the department that I work in. Yeah. Third of all, I'm not even necessarily critiquing, like, politicians outright. I'm more so attacking, like, liberalism and the concept of government as we understand it right now. Yeah. It doesn't... I, I don't mean, like that, though. the one thing that I tweeted before I didn't have that job, and I now I can tweet shit like Justin Trudeau's sex pest, um, <laughs> allegedly. Uh, before, the only thing that I tweeted was various stuff about their fake Indigenous activism, like, for yes. example, Orange Shirt Day, uh, which is when, guys, you wear an orange shirt to work to show that you still remember residential school survivors. Good day for me at work. Um, (laughs) God, I fucking... I I can't even talk about that on play. I'll talk about it some other time maybe, but, like, I can't even talk about that. Also, the one other time that I tweeted anything that was specifically about my work Mm -hmm. was I tweeted... Because there's public servant week. I tweeted, hey, we don't want, like, a thank you message from Justin Trudeau and, like, gas station coffee. We want paid vacation and sick leave. We want benefits and health insurance Mm -hmm. for all employees, regardless of whether or not you have permanent and full-time. And we want private working spaces that are ethically sized so that we're not all fucking cockroached on top of each other. Yeah, and I don't think that that's (laughs) honestly a bad thing to say, but of course they don't like it, right? Of course, that's critical, yeah. 
The weird thing for me is, like, I don't think that my politics necessarily aren't aligned with anything that the nonprofit organization I work for is supposed to represent, but the thing is that it's all fake, right? So They don't technically represent. They don't, I know that they don't technically represent mm-hmm. anything, but they provide services to groups of people who those interests should be representing, right? Yes. But it also is not. <laughs> yeah. It's us. I need the money, guys. <laughs> it's all good. I'm happy you got full time. A bitch is gonna go to the dentist. Yeah. I need to go to the fucking dentist. Yeah. I need to find a dentist that takes cash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Or a prepaid visa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go to the dentist. I'm gonna go to the massage therapist. Yes, but yes, yes. That's the plan. Also this week, so we're re-recording this podcast, guys. We only, one of the topics is the same, Mm -hmm. but we had a beautiful guest episode that didn't work out, unfortunately, due to circumstances involving several bottles of wine Mm -hmm. and recording in a mobile setup in a hotel room. Yep. And also just like a faulty audio connection and it had nothing to do with our hot takes. No, it was going to be a really good episode, and hopefully we'll get another opportunity to uh, have some more hot takes with those people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, because we had a good time. Yeah. All right, uh, do you want to talk about stuff, or yeah, you have more to talk about this week? Not really, no. Oh, if you listen and you're in Toronto and you're a comedian, mm-hmm. feel free to hit us up and give us spots between April 18th and April 21st. Yeah, or if you know of any shows that we should ask to be booked on. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's hard to uh, penetrate the different scenes. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get spots like the first time that you go to another city. Yeah. Regardless of what your reputation is like in your home city. Exactly. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah. Cool. All right. Let's talk about some big news, guys. There's a lot going on in Canadian politics right now. Mm-hmm. So um, there was a filibuster last week when Justin Trudeau was defending claims of his corruption regarding the SNC-Lavalin debacle. Yeah. So how far into this should we get for our non-Canadian listeners? We can just gloss over it. Okay. Yeah, it's not really the focus. So the Liberal government has had various shady dealings with a company called SNC-Lavalin, which is a Montreal-based basically uh like construction or engineering firm so basically what's been happening is that they've been the recipient of many government contracts to build you know Mm -hmm. different things highways bridges they just received the contract to build phase two of the lrt in ottawa yes exactly and so essentially they've been passed billions of dollars in government contracts and people started to kind of question the integrity of the relationship yeah. between SNC-Lavalin and the Liberal government. And one such person was the former Attorney General Jody Raybould Wilson, who only came forward with these claims after she was asked to step down from Attorney General and she was made the Minister of Veterans Affairs. Of Veterans Affairs, yeah. Yeah. So the the cabinet was shuffled and then she stepped down as well. Exactly. There's been a bunch of of resignations. Yeah. Which usually isn't a great sign that nothing foul is a play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyways, so the conservative government is trying to use this as a catalyst for possibly 
pushing Trudeau out of the prime ministership, yeah. if not at the very least instilling serious doubt in him before the upcoming election. It's in 2019. It's in October of this year. It's happening. Yeah. So essentially what they were trying to do with the whole SNC-Lavalin case was they were asking for a DPA, a deferred prosecution agreement, which would essentially mean that the proceedings about any wrongdoings with SNC-Lavalin and their contracts would be postponed for now, but at least until after the next election. Hmm. Crazy. Seems uh, not shady. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. So, there was a filibuster in Parliament. <laughs> and? Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, was accused of eating a bagel during the proceedings. This is the Trudeau content some of you people were asking for. Yeah, specifically, we've had a request from some of our American listeners to talk about Justin Trudeau because he's, like, so hot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to give it to you. (laughs) He was eating a bagel during the filibuster, which is against the rules because they're not allowed to eat, right? They're not allowed to eat. They're only allowed to drink water. And honestly, I think he was within his rights to eat a bagel if that was what he was eating because as a native Montrealais... Yeah. Montreal. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to say Montreal or... We can both be native uh, Montrealers for this take. Fuck. <laughs> it's within his rights. It is within his rights. He's he's Quebecois. Yes. You can't take a bagel from a Montrealer any less than you can take a bagel from a New York Jew. Exactly. I bet it was a plain bagel. <sighs> right? Yes, probably. And with plain cream cheese, because if you ate, like, an everything bagel, like, people would know. There is... uh, Put me on the record as saying this. (laughs) There is no bagel, aside from an everything bagel with herb and garlic cream cheese, or a sesame bagel classic with regular cream cheese and locks. Okay. Those are the only bagels. I like a cinnamon raisin bagel. I fought heavy with a cinnamon raisin bagel, too. I take it back. But sweet and savory are different categories. That's true. They're different types of bagels. Mm -hmm. So people are mad that he allegedly ate a bagel. Yes. So upon being accused of eating a bagel, I have the quote here. So conservative MP Scott Reed stood up around dinner time and accused Trudeau of hiding and eating a bagel in violation of the rules of decorum of the House, in an apparent attempt to stall the proceedings. That's so stupid. (laughs) He did it to stall the proceedings. Not because filibusters are famously several hours (laughs) several hours long. Yeah. And the whole point of a filibuster is to stall. Yes. So. So. (laughs) Start read quoted as saying, Mr. Speaker, We all know the rules of the House do not permit us to eat in this place. I couldn't help but notice, during the last vote, a number of people were eating in their seats, including the Minister of Defense, Canadian Heritage, and the Prime Minister, who appeared to be hiding a bagel in his desk. Mr. Speaker, the Prime Minister has already stained this place with his corruption. He does not need to stain it with mustard as well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who puts mustard on a bagel? Someone from Montreal? I guess if it was like a like a smoked meat smoked bagel. Meat? But that's kind of random. Should be on a sandwich. Yeah, that's not bread. good. No. Yeah. I think that, that was really eloquent speaking on Mr. Strott-Reed's part. It was. I have confidence in him now. It's like, wow, that was beautiful. 
I wish that people, not necessarily that centrists, but I wish that people left of the center had, honestly, the charisma and the flair with which people on the right are able to speak and convey a message. People think that having good policies means you don't have to be able to communicate them effectively. That's not true at all. I know. We'll need to work harder. I hope we get a heritage minute out of this. Yeah, me too. The filibuster of 2019 where the prime minister ate a bagel. (laughs) I hope that they interview the person who made the bagel. Me too. It wasn't a bagel, guys. Spoiler alert. Well, allegedly it was not a bagel. (laughs) Okay. Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, corrected the MP who accused him of eating the bagel and said, Indeed, Mr. Speaker, it was a chocolate bar. But I apologize. So he still broke the rules. He's not denying breaking the rules. But he's kind of implying that breaking the rules with a snack is less serious than eating a full meal. Yeah. Like, maybe they're allowed to have snacks? Uh, they're not. But, like, it sounds like maybe they unofficially are? I, yeah, I guess so, but I still don't think so. It, okay. I, this is one of the first times that I've ever sided with... That's not true, but I mean, this is one of the first times that I've strongly sided with our prime minister because I have, like, blood sugar issues and I can't imagine going several fucking hours without eating anything. No, that's crazy. Yeah. To further confirm Justin Trudeau's point that actually eating a chocolate bar is not as bad as eating a bagel, as in a snack is not as bad as a meal... Okay, so like I said, I have blood sugar issues and I used to get in trouble for eating during class when I was in high school all the time. Specifically, I had one teacher who was a huge cunt to me about it Mm -hmm. and she would get mad even if I was just like eating raisins or an apple or whatever. And I honestly think that it was because she was a raw vegan. So she was probably always fucking starving. Yeah. And she actually actively couldn't watch people eat. Also, she was a French teacher, so she was just born a psychotic kind. And then unleashed on our fucking youth to do je suis tué. (laughs) (laughs) I used to want to be a French teacher. Well, I'm glad you're reformed. Thanks. So (laughs) she banned me from eating snacks in class. My mom wrote a note to the school saying that I have a medical condition and I should be able to eat wherever I want, whatever I want, whenever I want. Sick. And to own my French teacher... I sat down in her class and ate a fucking steak dinner with potatoes and salad with a knife and a fork on a real plate. Are you joking? No. In her 10 a.m. French You're class. You're so insane. <laughs> so How mad was she? So mad. And she couldn't do shit. <laughs> Fuck you, Medel de Blois. <laughs> that's so good. And that's when a meal is worse than a snack. <laughs> She should have just let you eat the fucking snack. Fuck her, man. Oh, my God. That's wild. Yeah. So, what type of chocolate bar do you think it was? What kind of chocolate bar? I want to say something, like, kind of boring, but it's, like, supposed to be fun. Like, a mint arrow. Okay. You know what I mean? A mint arrow is actually fun. I like them. I don't dislike them. I'm just saying. Hmm. I hate that opinion. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's my favorite type of chocolate bar, by the way. It's really high on the list for me. Yeah, it's pretty good. 
It's not technically a bar, but here are some things that I like that aren't chocolate bars, okay. but are basically <laughs> chocolate bars. Does it okay. under the same similar weird flavor thing? Sure. I love a Terry's orange. Me too. I love a cream egg. What if he's eating a Terry's orange? That'd be so funny. <laughs> That's a meal. What if he banged the Terry's orange <laughs> like a gavel? <laughs> okay, a cream egg. I don't like a cream egg. Okay. I don't I f- like the consistency. I love a cream egg. Pre-made McFlurry. Mm, that's true, but it's blended. It's my shamrock shake. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like seasonal foods also. Okay. Okay. And I really like uh, cherry blossom. I love cherry blossom. Oh my God. Yeah. Those are really big that's... in like Quebec. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're mm-hmm. like an East Coast thing. East Coast. Yeah. yeah. Quebec and East. Mm-hmm. They're so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that he was eating... Like, something truly boring, like a fucking dairy milk, possibly with almonds, if I want to give him credit. I feel like he wasn't eating something with nuts in it. Okay. Because what if he... <laughs> Has never been exposed to peanuts yeah. and he's like a bubble boy? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> what if it was like a Kit Kat Chunky? Which uh, is, like, a boring choice, but also, like, the wrong boring choice? What if it was one of those, like, um... Uh, Kinder Egg chocolate bars. <gasps> Buenos. Yeah. That's bad. That, yeah. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? It that's was so dark. It was a bueno. Yeah. You heard it here first on DBM. We can confirm that from our <laughs> official sources yeah. in Parliament. Also, like, just like we said, we have been asked to address Justin Trudeau on Paul before. My take on him, more or less, is that he's the Canadian Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, he's so, like, bland. I honestly find him extremely sexless. Yeah, so the reason why so many Americans know who Justin Trudeau even is, besides that his father was our prime minister in the 70s and quite an influential prime minister and politician in general. I don't hate Pierre Trudeau. No. Well, you can't. Yeah. You're from Quebec. (laughs) I'm not allowed, yeah. Yeah. Um, And he, uh, never mind, that wasn't him. What? Jean Chrétien punched punched a reporter. Oh, that's... I was going to say it was Pierre Trudeau, but it was no, a different prime minister. It was a different <laughs> Canadian prime minister. <laughs> that was sick. That's so funny. Yeah, he... Anyway, so just... You guys just know who he is, Americans, because, uh, like, he's quote-unquote hot. But I, He just says sick lettuce. He, his hair? <laughs> yeah. There was a... You guys remember, like, Canadians do, probably, but there was a series of conservative attack ads that were against Justin Trudeau where they basically made fun of him for being a pretty boy, which is honestly really funny. It's honestly smart. It's smart and also, like, it's true. He deserves to be mocked for that. But all the ads were just like, Justin Trudeau, nice hair. (laughs) I loved when they were like, he was a drama teacher. Mm -hmm. It's true. He's not qualified. He was a camp counselor. Yeah. He has a bad, possibly appropriative tattoo that looks like an eagle in the traditional indigenous art style of the West Coast of Canada. It's a thunderbird. He has a thunderbird tattoo. It's so offensive. Uh, anyways, so Justin Trudeau, did he eat the bagel? We'll he ate ne- something. We'll never know. Mm-hmm. You know what would be a worse snack to bring? What? Like a hard-boiled egg. Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That's so disgusting. Sorry. No, it's okay. Worst people who bring food to the office. Yes. Eggs. Yes. Fish. No, fish. Fish and eggs. 
is the worst too. Dude, I was on a Who's My Draving Fish in the Office <laughs> recon yeah. over the course of more than a year Holy in fuck. my old office. Did you find and, out who it was? No, but I was leaving uh, progressively more aggressive notes on the microwave. Good. Yeah. Inappropriate. It was extremely inappropriate. And whoever it was, like, well, I mean, what kind of fucking psycho would microwave fish to begin with? Ugh. Obviously, they didn't care enough about anything to follow a note. I can't imagine doing that because I hate eating at work so much because if I heat up food, everybody asks me what I'm eating. Yes. I can't imagine purposely eating something that has a scent. My coworkers truly ate like they did not love themselves. Mm. Like I've said this before, like they just ate so randomly and so much garbage. And I'm not a good eater. Like I should be open about that, but I don't fill my body with trash 100% of the time. And when I was eating anything, they just acted like it was like so weird and disgusting. And I was like, don't fucking look at me. I hate that. Don't look at me when I'm eating. And also it was super normal stuff. It was like, uh, like tofu and rice. In, okay. peanut, in, like, Thai peanut sauce. Yeah. Like, okay, leave your house once a year. <laughs> yeah, like, what? Fuck That's you. normal. You know how people climb all over each other for free stuff? Yes. And it's really embarrassing if you're not poor mm-hmm. and you don't need resources. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not attacking people that, you know, jump for free stuff mm-hmm. if they need it. But when people who make three times as much money as I do are running to the staff kitchen because they heard that somebody's having a bridal shower and there's a fucking cake there. Oh, I hate that. First of all, why are you having a bridal shower where to grow up? I... These people mm. aren't your friends. Second of all, the cake is never good. No, it's always bad. No, it's always bad. It's always like one of those like Costco cakes with the waxy, uh. the hydrogenated oil-based frosting, not the butter-based frosting because yeah. it looks, it lasts longer and it looks better. Looks better. I'm lucky because everybody in my office is gluten-free or vegan, so we mm-hmm. never are forced to, like, engage in That's snacks. really good. Yeah. yeah. People yeah, people were, like, mad haters to me about it, and I was like, it's not that I wouldn't eat cake if it was dread. I would eat so much of the cake if it was dread. I just have... I'm not a fucking animal. I can tell the difference between disgusting cake that I don't want to waste empty calories on yeah. and delicious cake it's just gonna make you feel sick it's like why are we doing this it tastes like nothing yeah and it's bad for you uh shall we move on to some other canadian content sure for the week we're having a lot of canadian stuff fucking put us on the radio yeah (laughs) seriously so um alanis morissette was trending on twitter today Mm -hmm. because some woman wrote like a jezebel community article Mm -hmm. about ordering the jagged little pill record Okay. And listening to it. Mm-hmm. And then the title of the article that she wrote was, Jagged Little Pill is actually not good. Wrong. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. So I'm going to read you a couple quotes. Okay. All right. So she kind of, uh, she talks about this whole beginning part where her and her husband have a record player and he's really like a cop about music. So he has a very He's curated, an audiophile. Yeah, he's an audiophile. And he, he ordered her this record as a favor because he knows she likes it, but he doesn't think it's good. Okay. So it's about her journey listening to this album. And she says, I had a realization. Jagged Little Pill was Baby Shark for mid-90s angsty tween (gasps) girls. It spoke in the simplest language, literally and musically, to that particular psychological stage of development at that particular cultural moment. Like all art ever? Why is that, like, okay? How old is she? Does she say? She's, like, in her 40s, I think. Okay. She was, like... A relevant age at the time, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then I have another uh, kind of, like, 
She's talking about her first experience. You know, she heard Jagged Little Pill when it first came out. It was transformative for her. Her dad took her to see a concert. And then she says, um, Alanis has lived in my head for the past two decades as the artful embodiment of a powerful, unruly, inspiringly angry woman living rent-free in your head, baby. (laughs) Uh, The same year that I first listened to Jagged Little Pill, my dad took me to see her perform at the Greek Theater in Berkeley. In California? Yes. Okay, boo. So, anyways, we stood in the mosh pit where plaid-wearing 20-something Cal students openly smoked pot, looked extremely impressed with themselves. <laughs> Afterward, as the crowd poured out onto the street, Alanis's white limo went driving by, and I ran after her screaming as she lifted a single hand through the moonroof and waved. Right at me, I was pretty sure. Okay. So, it was this whole big thing for her, and now she's fucking shitting all over the album just because it, what, I guess doesn't hold up? Not true. So I guess it's, okay, it's a thing that all of us come to face when we realize, you know, maybe something that we loved when we were younger isn't actually that good. Although I will say (laughs) there's nothing that I liked when I was younger that there's some stuff that I'm embarrassed that I liked it or that I like it, but I haven't completely denounced anything that I liked when I was younger. And even if I can realize that it's not objectively dead art i won't apologize for the fact that i have personal connections to it and nostalgia and sentimentalities regarding certain pieces of bad art which jagged little pill isn't again you know what this sounds like to me i think she was larping as someone who had a lot of issues when she was a kid and this Mm -hmm. album first came out and it resonated with her because she was an angsty teen and now she's obviously rich and living in berkeley california and it doesn't resonate with her anymore and she's like oh well it must be garbage Yes. And also, like, to say that it was indicative of the cultural moment in time. So I love Jagged Little Pill, and I have, like, a very, like, close set of memories surrounding it because my Mm -hmm. mom was a huge Alanis Morissette fan. And I just want to say it's cultural appropriation to listen to Jagged Little Pill if you weren't raised by a single mom in the 90s in Canada. (laughs) I, I love Jagged So check Little your Pill. privilege. It's so yeah. good. But like, so I listened to the whole thing because my mom was a fan of it. But we're much younger than this woman. She's probably yeah. a little bit younger than my mom. Yeah. Probably about 10 years younger probably than my mom. Probably 10 years, yeah. But then it's like, so I'm 30 years younger than my mom. Mm-hmm. And this album is still important to me. And obviously... I was barely conscious during the cultural moment in time that she's referring to when Jagged Little Pill was dead. And if that's true, why do so many people, especially women around our age, still fucking love that album? Because it's transcendent and it does hold up. It's so stupid. And it's, I didn't read this part and it doesn't matter, but she talks about putting the record on and listening to the opening track, All I Really Want. And she's mm. like, oh, it sounded really bad. I had to check to make sure my record player was on the right RPM. Like, it sounded, like, whiny. Like, the harmonica sounded horrible. It's like, you don't know anything about music. Like, shut up. Have you ever heard a harmonica before? She probably never even liked it in the first place. She probably just liked it because all her friends liked it. Yeah. And she didn't remember that it didn't agree with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Also, really funny that I know grunge was, like everywhere in the 90s and everything and not saying that Alanis Morissette was grunge obviously but like the fact that she invokes the image of like a crowd full of flannel wearers openly smoking pot is like did you ever think for a second that you're 
stealing Canadian valor and that our culture isn't your costume. Exactly. Jezebel. She just doesn't get it. California ass. <laughs> Fuck you. Somebody online made a really good point about how she compared it to that stupid baby shark song or whatever. And she was like, oh, so you're comparing two things that aren't made for you. <laughs> right? It's yeah. like, neither of these things are for you. No wonder you can't relate to either of them. Well, she's just saying that Baby Shark is popular right now because, like, stupid kids liked it. And she was a stupid kid who liked Jagged Little Pill. She's calling Jagged Little Pill juvenile and um, underdeveloped. It's insane <laughs> because it's like, what person of any age, for example, cannot listen to, I don't know, fucking you ought to know or head over feet and not oh my god exactly relate to those feelings regardless of how old you are yeah it doesn't make any sense and she's shitting on the lyrics and she's like it's not even i'm not even talking about ironic and how she misuses the word ironic i'm talking about all the lyrics and it's like just because you don't Mm -hmm. like (sighs) it's a bad you write a song it's a bad take you write a song yeah have fun and also like She's also kind of shitting in the face of the tradition of what was happening musically in the 90s by saying, you know, like, the sound wasn't perfect or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, if you're the type of person who insists on listening to music on vinyl because you're such a fucking audiophile, maybe, uh, like, the 90s aesthetic musically wasn't really for you you because it was, like, homegrown grungy and like intentionally a little bit underproduced especially people's early albums like hello Alanis Morissette Jagged Little Pill exactly it's just like it's such a take that's divorced from reality yeah anyways so stupid fuck that shit I came under fire a little bit this week because I actually today I tweeted uh, Nirvana isn't that good <laughs> to, come, to come off uh, Alanis Morissette yeah. Jagged Little Pill isn't that good to just really drive home my own controversial point, which is that Nirvana isn't that good. But while Jagged Little Pill does hold up with, like I said, mm-hmm. generations, especially of women, Nirvana doesn't seem to mean that much to most people outside of a very specific range of, I would say, like, Gen X slash Zenial white guys. yeah. But they like a lot of things. Like, I don't feel like Nirvana's specifically that. Like, they all like Nirvana, but it's not just Nirvana, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I think that Nirvana's probably, like, the most concrete example. And I'm, I don't want to shit on what Nirvana did as a whole or whatever. It's probably uh, just a preference. And I do realize that grunge in general, and Nirvana's included in that, of course, was highly influential on everything that came after it. Mm -hmm. Like, it was different. It was creative. It was a very cool movement. It was important politically. Yeah. It was, out of that movement, spawned a lot of my favorite music, which I would define as, like, not just Riot Girl, but, like, you know, angry Mm -hmm. girl, punk, alt, whatever. Yeah. But similarly to this woman... Listening to Nirvana in an extremely pure form Mm -hmm. the other day when I was just at my cottage, not doing anything, I was just listening to a playlist on a really high volume and two Nirvana songs came on back to back and I was like, it's not for me. It's not for me. Yeah, I really don't. 
it's not for me. I'm not saying I don't need bad. to engage with I it. just said it, they weren't that good. I honestly think that they fall under people who would not be nearly as lionized and idolized mm-hmm. if Kurt Cobain hadn't died, especially in such a dramatic way at the crux of a very important moment in music. I agree. Right? That's really how you, sometimes, how you solidify yourself as, like, an icon, right? A culture's memory. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw a tweet recently of Will included in the, the show notes or whatever. I can't remember who it was by. But somebody tweeted, I'm sad that Kurt Cobain is dead, but I'm happy I never had to see him go on Joe Rogan. That's really funny. <laughs> but it's true because yeah. even the hardest musicians and artists, eventually you live to see them sell out. And if at least not sell out, perform to the point where it's embarrassing to be performing at the age that they're at. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, let's say, the Stones and stuff, it's like, you think Mick Jagger's still a, a rock star? Yeah. Of the, course he the is. psychedelic but... furs. <laughs> yes. You live to see people just completely embarrass themselves. Like, think about Ice Cube, for example. Yeah. Fucking Kurt Cobain could have been in Are We There Yet? And Are We There Yet too? Thank God he killed himself. We're still not there yet. I don't know if that's what he's telling Yeah, seriously. We're still not there yet. Are we there yet? Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're still not there yet. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. People are mad, but I don't care. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't seem to be as spicy of a take as the Alanis Morissette one because a lot of people agreed with you, so. Definitely not the first person to. To say it. Lightly shit on uh, yeah. Nirvana. True. So, should we talk about... What? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Sadie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of suicide. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so, it was in the news a bunch today that one of the fathers of one of the children who died in the Sandy Hook massacre has unfortunately ended his life by suicide. Mm-hmm. And it was the third suicide this week by either victims of or family members of victims of shooting, mass yeah. shootings. So two Parkland survivors completed suicide this week and the father of a Sandy Hook student. Yeah, it's really sad. Like, I mean, I'm not surprised it all happened at once, right? Because that's what happens. <laughs> of course, yeah. And I mean, the media, obviously, they're going to report on it and stuff. And it seemed like it was handled a little bit better than some of the stuff that I've seen in the past in terms of how people were reporting on it and the details that they were Mm -hmm. choosing to give or not give and stuff. So that was good to see. But it's it's so sad. It's really sad. And also, it kind of brought up a lot of controversy that has existed for a long time, especially surrounding Sandy Hook, where there's a lot of discourse surrounding whether or not free speech laws apply to people who are spreading hateful things such as conspiracy theories about Sandy Hook and crisis actors. Mm -hmm. So earlier this year, Alex Jones was sued for basically violently propagating, words aren't violence, but basically propagating conspiracy theories that Sandy Hook never happened and that it was a government plant Mm -hmm. in order to take guns away. Yeah. He was being sued by family members of people that died at Sandy Hook because, to add insult to injury on top of them having dead six-year-olds, they were also then being harassed online and in real life by right-wing trolls. Yeah, constantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a contributing factor. 
And also this week, it's important to note that all that was happening on a week when uh, Joe Rogan actually went on InfoWars. And a lot of people have traditionally said that Joe Rogan's podcast is not harmful or that he brings people on from all sides and he really just fosters open debate and it's not harmful that he's bringing on pseudoscientists and Mm -hmm. conspiracy theorists conspiracy theorists and whatnot and actively engaging with them but then it's like it begs a question if we've all agreed that Alex Jones is spreading ideas that can become dangerous online and mm-hmm. he's been deplatformed by some famously latched platforms such yeah. as YouTube and Facebook. <laughs> then who's to say that people like Joe Rogan officially and professionally associating with him does that not tar Joe Rogan mm-hmm. with the same, same brush? brush? Yeah. It kind of takes you out of being objective and kind of pushes you over the line into being reactionary, which is what a lot of people have been accusing him for of a long time, but he was really just towing the line. Absolutely. I heard this week that Dr. Phil Mm -hmm. (laughs) had Ben Shapiro on his show. Yeah. And he introduced him by saying, he's like, I don't talk about politics on my show because I don't think it matters. And I don't think that I would ever, like, I don't think it matters Mm -hmm. in the context of the show and I would never force my political views on anybody, and I've never shared what my political views are. This next guest is a really good friend of mine. Please welcome Ben Shapiro. Right, which is horrible. Is that not pretty explicitly implicating yourself in the politics of whoever you're claiming to associate with? Yes, of course. Right? Yes, of course. It's the same it was thing. almost laughable for him to even do the disclaimer at that point. That's what I'm saying. I was like, well, what was the point of doing the disclaimer? You should have just said nothing. It doesn't matter. He's not a subject matter expert that happens to have, like, weird politics on the side. No. He's specifically a political figure. Exactly. A commentator. Exactly. But with specific affiliations, obviously. And I mean, we probably all assumed what Dr. Phil's politics so libertarian. We're like, of course. <laughs> Much like all other famous right-wing trolls, Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I'm a little bit of a contrarian when it comes to free speech, even though I will openly admit that anyone who is very adamantly a free speech activist just essentially, I assume, is a white person who wants to say the N-word. I would say that that's probably pretty accurate. Yes. Yeah. In Canada... We've had anti-hate speech laws for a really long time. I don't find it particularly harmful because people have their politics. Some people's politics are hateful. When it transcends that for me is when it becomes hate speech. Like, I mean, you're targeting specific people, right? Like, that's the problem. Specifically targeting people whose children were murdered in a mass shooting and saying that they're crisis actors and all that stuff. That's so disgusting. Yeah, of course. So it's like. Yeah, of course, those people should be deplatformed. Absolutely. Even though normally, I would, like I said, wouldn't be the one to police anyone's speech. But yeah. it's like when it comes down to stuff like that. And then people are saying, oh, well, everybody knows that Alex Jones is a persona. And for example, it was ruled in court during his uh, very complicated custody battle that nothing mm-hmm. that he's ever said in his professional life can be held against him as a viable uh, parental figure. Right. But it's like, He's not, this is not an uh, irony is, you know, the tool of fascists or whatever thing, because he's not doing irony. And we all know he's not doing irony. And we all know that he's uh, disguising what are opinions and crackpot opinions at that as 
uh, facts and source-based materials. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who cares if you're being a reactionary and it's a persona? Like, if people can't tell and if things that you're saying are having actual effects Mm -hmm. on the real world, it doesn't really matter. No. Right? You can't be like, like, you can't be like, it's just, it was a joke or whatever if, you know, if it actually has an effect on someone. It's not a joke. Yeah. And it's not even... In the circumstances where, like, I, again, I'm, I don't think that there are subject matters that you have to stay away from when you're doing opinion pieces or if you're doing, yeah, irony, Mm -hmm. satire, whatever. But he's so deeply embroiled in the communities Mm -hmm. in that are full of reactionaries and dangerous people that he can't pretend that he's doing satire because to do satire, people you need to have be to, to be on the, far enough on the outside in order to mock what mm-hmm. you're doing content about. Yeah, it's basic satire rules. It's like if nobody can tell that it's satire, is it really satire? Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. So. Sounds like a convenient excuse to me. It does. All right. Should we talk about the internet? The internet. The internet. The internet. The internet. The internet. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple beefs this week. All right, let's get into it. This is a serious bitch media episode. It is, but that's okay, I think. Is it? I don't know. How do you feel? Okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the lovely men of the DSA, the rose emojis on Twitter, if you will, <laughs> uh, specifically Sam Pritchard, the lord of good takes, has taken it upon himself to spew hot takes about sex work again. Perfect. I'm so sick of fucking sex work discourse, especially on the fucking left, who should be pro-sex work. (laughs) So I was really steamy about this. And what did he tweet? Let me find it. Let me find it. He tweeted, sex workers are dead. Sets work is bad. It's insane that only approximately one in three million Twitter users can grasp both of these concepts simultaneously. Okay. And he also said, it's wild that people can't see how you could want decriminalization now when while we live in a carceral capitalist society, but abolition eventually under a socialist economy. Content warning sexual violence. You can tell me all day how great and liberating feet pics are, but that won't erase a dear friend being kidnapped and raped by a John. So please fuck off entirely. I'm done with this conversation for now. Classic. Classic. The sets were discourse remains as ever very bad. I'm saying one last thing. I was and remain pro-decriminalization, but what made me shift from being a sex work is empowering liberal to a pro-abolition socialist was listening to friends who have done full-service sex work. Okay. I'm sorry, but someone on Twitter defending their right to buy or sell nudes is not going to persuade me over my close friends who are brilliant Marxists and who have done survival sex work for years and utterly despise it and the abuse they've suffered doing it. Okay, first of all, just put in as many words as you know into a tweet and make it a sentence, I guess. Fuck. So, I know he says multiple times that he's pro-decriminalization, but anti-sets work tapes are still harmful to sets workers Mm -hmm. under the current climate because so many people are already against sets work that we don't need to be having discussions about what place sets work will have under socialism and whether or not it will be abolished because, again, 
why are you singling out sex work if you're saying that we're going to live in a post-work society where mm-hmm. all work will be abolished? Why specifically mention sex work? Like, again, exactly. if sex work is work and you're such a staunch feminist and supporter of sex workers... Just talk about work. Talk about work. Of course, sex work has its own problems, but so does every industry. industry. And also, okay, if sex work is work and all work is exploitative... Why is sets work any more exploitative than any other work? Right. First of all, shut the fuck up about sets work if you've never done it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I know that that's that's coming out of <laughs> a, a hot and spicy place deep inside of me. But these guys that are spouting off about sets work, they're so actually like deeply misogynist. Yeah. That they can't imagine a world in which. A woman or another marginalized person is able to engage in sex work without automatically being exploited or feeling exploited. Mm-hmm, exactly. I hate with this discourse, like, I hate how people always create this false narrative of, like, oh, well, the only good quote-unquote good sex work is like selling nudes online and everything else is bad Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense no tapes fucking bobby really since everyone was talking about sex work on twitter i actually replied to a different guy who had pretty (laughs) similar takes and i said because he was also specifically talking about people using sets work stuff as a criticism of Bernie. Right. So I said, uh, it's widely acknowledged that while Bernie voted yes on SESTA-FOSTA, so did every other candidate. It's a widespread criticism of a convoluted bill that disguises anti-sets work legislation as anti-trafficking legislation, something that we can all agree is wrong. Okay. To reduce sex workers to e-girls selling foot pics is a minimization. To say that people discuss sex worker rights for attention is indicative of what you think of the p- people who do sex work. Also, the person that he was specifically tweeting at was a stripper, like an in-person sex work. And I was like, why is it so important to your guys' narrative that you try to make it look like everybody that's pro sex work who, again, you're saying you're listening to sex workers, but you're saying that everybody who's pro sex work who's done sex work is just somebody who casually sells nudes or foot pics? Yeah, like they're not even paying attention. Why is... It's not that they're not paying attention. It's that it's helpful to their narrative to ignore specific people yeah full service and closer to full service sex workers Mm -hmm. such as full service sex workers strippers Mm -hmm. massage therapists yeah whatever the fuck right so anyways sex workers are workers and therefore as with all workers their rights should be central to any left movement it is not niche to protect sex workers perhaps if sex workers were granted the same respect as other workers we wouldn't have to talk about it so much Mm -hmm. It is good for the good of humanity to support all workers. Moreover, many sex workers are from marginalized communities and some struggle to find or keep employment from options traditionally provided by straight jobs. Why wouldn't it be important to support them? Then, sorry, I'm reading, I'm fucking, I was so mad about this. I tweeted, um, please (laughs) give us more sex workers or more exploited than regular workers' tates. I love them. They fuel me. We don't live in a utopia yet, possibly ever. Why wouldn't we support all workers in the interim? Mm-hmm. In what world is trading sets or sexual activity for more money any more oppressive than any other form of wage labor? Why do leftists freak out about work when sets is involved? 
I'd argue in many cases sets work is less oppressive than most work under capitalism, as many sets workers choose their own hours, their own rates, their own clientele, and or have access to more capital than they'd be able to obtain through traditional work. So. So, my problem is that you would immediately be canceled as a leftist if you advocated for the abolition of any other one single kind of work okay before the abolition of all work it's one thing to dream and it's one thing to be an idealist and whatever Mm -hmm. but it's like stop arguing about present day causes in a framework of something that doesn't actually exist and is theoretical exactly especially when it it affects people that are doing that work Mm -hmm. today so a lot of people really like to compare sets workers to let's say coal miners which also again isn't really fair because 100% of coal miners experience some amount of damage to their health yeah. from doing coal mining. Mm-hmm. Not even close to all sex workers experience damage some sort of health. damage to yeah. their health. Like, the work yeah. conditions... Are completely different. Are completely different. And I'm not saying that there aren't people doing survival sex work. And I'm not saying that everybody has a great time 100% of the time. But who does have a great time at their job? 100% of the time, first of all, and I really don't think it's putting as many people at risk mm-hmm. as they seem to always be implying that it is. Rich people who don't have to work have fun at their job because they're doing it by 100% by choice as a activity. Yeah, what, <laughs> what work is truly consensual? None. Like I said, people have a hard time with, like, <laughs> imagining a world in which a woman could use a man for his money Mm -hmm. um, or could, like, divorce herself emotionally from sex. Yeah. Or could intentionally develop the skill of seducing people and being good at sex and then using it to gain income resources. I People have been doing that for all time. Yeah. I maintain the opinion that a lot of men get into leftist politics as a way of seeming more desirable to women because it seems like their ethics align better, Mm -hmm. but that you can really see through it when it comes to things like sex work because they'll say that they support sex workers because it means that they theoretically have access to women that they would never be able to have access to in the real world where money isn't involved, Mm -hmm. but they don't quote unquote support sex work because they're still obsessed with controlling women's means of socioeconomic like navigating socioeconomics and they're just obsessed with controlling women still at the end of the day honestly that's what i have to assume that it is and also it's really funny if these men think that all of the women that they have relationships with like that they've never been involved in a relationship with that was transactional exactly regardless of what the transaction is for and like i've said this before uh, a lot of people that get into sex work, it's not really a big deal for them because they were already having sex for, you know, possibly financial security just in a less explicit way. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, to... Within the framework of a relationship or something exactly, like that. Exactly, to have someone help them pay off their student loan debt, which you guys would all uh, support. Yeah. You'd be like, yeah, get your bed, queen, to live with somebody and not pay rent. Yeah. Or uh, transactional in other ways, like, let's say for professional advancement or like for social status yeah even just for like the bare minimum of validation yeah like literally just for for the sake of being in a relationship 
For, yeah, for emotional Mm -hmm. security, access to intimacy. Yeah, those are all transactional relationships. Because you're fucking bored. Yeah. Like, literally, that's all. (laughs) And it's also, again, like, people have been trading goods and services for sets for all time. Like, I'm not saying that that means that it isn't necessarily, you know, like, doesn't have a problematic history and, like, that there's not still a bunch of people that are doing sets work that are only doing it because that's the means that they have Mm -hmm. to make money, unfortunately. But, like, back in cave days, fucking, you know bitches were getting dipped down for berries. Obviously. And dead buffaloes. I would be. Yes, absolutely. Because you're not an idiot. Buffalo. (laughs) No. How am I going to eat the other cave women's pussies if I have to go hunt with the men? Yeah. You're you're not going to hunt a buffalo. No. And I'm not going to get a master's degree in finance. And yet we still deserve fucking resources. (laughs) Exactly. By any means necessary. (laughs) Men, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. I just hate this whole, I listen to sets workers, but only the ones already align with my views. With my views, which are... uh, Boop, 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 boop. Neo Puritan. <laughs> Fucking idiots. It's so bad. All right. I have another beef. Oh my God. We're so serious this week. So, my second beef of the week is I've been seeing this tweet that's been circulating around of a picture of a woman in a bathtub okay. with a tray. Oh, I saw this. And yeah. And then, you know, so like with a bath tray, you can put stuff on it, I guess, like a glass of wine or your iPad if you want to watch stuff or read or whatever. The dominant take that's been going around is like, LOL, whoever designs bathtub trays doesn't know what women actually do in the bath. What is that? I saw that tweet and I legitimately didn't know what it meant. It means that women only take baths to jack off. What? Yeah. I didn't even think that which is really funny because it's like how would you design that tray just the same but also with like a hole in it <laughs> what for their dick <laughs> no i i don't know i don't know well i don't know <laughs> uh yeah also i honestly okay maybe we just don't know what's up but i mm-hmm. literally i saw that tweet and i literally was like what are they talking about Oh, I immediately, <laughs> I immediately knew what they were talking about because I've, like, felt left out of this conversation for a very long time because I've said this before, but I come from an extremely Catholic upbringing and I don't know if that's why I can't masturbate in the shower or the bath. Like, we both did, so yeah. it, mu- it has to be that, right? Well, you don't either. No. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. No, people think, women think that that's so wild when I say that, but, like... No, like, please have some decency, everybody. If you have to do, like, the naughty touch, (laughs) just... Which you shouldn't be. (laughs) Which you shouldn't be doing. Make sure that the lights are off, Mm -hmm. your clothes are on, Mm -hmm. and immediately following, you say 12 Hail Marys over a rosary. Yeah, so that Jesus doesn't know what you're doing. He can't see you. Yeah. Preferably if you can draw a salt circle around your bed chair couch wherever the fuck you are also if you masturbate in the living room i'm sorry but you're savage i've done that like twice ever yeah i've done it like maybe twice ever but i felt bad about it after yes of course i mean i feel bad every time but yeah of of (laughs) course of course but that's only right is that the like main place that people jack off in the shower i think so what i know this is i'm i'm genuinely 
so confused. Well, that's why they always, like, advertise women's sex toys as being, like, waterproof. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I know. I know. It's not like weird. such a virgin. Wow. No, I know. And it's like, it's one of those weird things where I'm like, okay, I already have a hard time with like conversations surrounding self-care and stuff. Yeah. I'm not anti-indulgence by any means. Like I'm definitely not like an ascetic leftist. Yeah. But it's like, Ew, do you really need to, like, blend self-care narratives like a woman taking a bath with her iPad and a glass of wine into your, like, self-love narratives, which (laughs) involve also, like, masturbating metaphorically and also literally? (laughs) Okay, I have a couple questions. Mm -hmm. Okay, one. Mm -hmm. Imagine, this isn't a question, this is hypothetical, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, it's actually not a question, it's more of a comment. jacked off in the shower mm-hmm. i would never jack off no me neither why because you don't shower frequently yeah yeah i mean i shower mm-hmm. enough but i'll let you guys in on a little bit of uh, insider info right now currently i'm showering about as much as you imagine somebody would be whose uh hot water hasn't been working for two weeks in yep. the canadian winter Just well kidding. i never have sh- hot water either so I've been showering at work sometimes. That's good. Is that weird? No. Okay. I washed my hair with ice cold water today. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I guess. Been taking a lot of pirate showers. (laughs) Pirate showers? Been taking a lot of horror baths. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Technically, every bath I take is a horror bath. bath. (laughs) (laughs) It is if you're jacking off in the bath. Okay. Yes, I know. Okay, that's the real horror bath. (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's funny. Okay, my second question is, Mm -hmm. I understand... If you're in the bath, but if you're in the shower, are people not watching porn? Uh, Are they just using their imagination? Maybe. I think a lot of women don't actually masturbate to porn. Okay. I'm I'm kind of a 50-50 imagination versus video person. I am too, but I was just thinking about if you only ever jack off in the shower. You know what freaks me out? And it's like, you know what, do you or whatever, but it makes me feel like a bad woman too. Is like so many women are like, I love to just like read like naughty fiction and like jacked off to that. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Using your brain and your pussy at the same time? Well, and you can't literally read. never. That's true. And they're gatekeeping me. They are. From performing feminine sexuality in the appropriate <laughs> ways, aka reading erotic <laughs> fanfic and then fucking <laughs> masturbating in the bath like an unchained animal. I just want to say I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who mm-hmm. jack off in the shower. I'm not judging you. I just legitimately, this is such a foreign concept to me. Yeah, I'm. Like straight up. No, me too. And it's really weird that we pivoted from being, like, staunchly pro-sets work to being, like, sets negative about That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel bad, but I don't, I don't fuck in the shower either. No, me neither. So, that's what it fuck. is. Anyways, yeah, like, stop. Enough with the, like, the winking takes of being, like, everybody knows why you would do that or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, I mean, you're entitled, but. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. You can't have a conversation about anything without people making it sexual. Yeah, and That's not even in an it's not even necessarily in an explicit way, just in like a weird like winking, which is kind of worse. Way which is disturbing. <laughs> All right, I have a dumb bitch of the week. Okay, it's... I don't. I'm glad you do. No offense. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's time for dumb, dumb bitch, bitch of, of the week. week, and this guy is our 
second repeat offender. Woo! Woo! Nice. Everybody, welcome to the stage. <laughs> Louis Morial, 420. It's him! Louis Morial, 420, if you will. Yes! So, this is a first for us. It's our first multilingual dumb bitch of the week. Yes! So, if you guys weren't listening to the first episode in which I discussed uh, Louis Montreal 420, he initially sent me a message in English which said, You seem to be a very insolent young lady. A good spanking over my knees would be appropriate. I might send you to the corner as well. So disgusting. It's still gross. All right. Then he followed it up with, this is over the course of a long time, but nice pitch, nice body, winking face, cute. These are all just replies to my story. Poutou, j'espère que tu vas passer une belle journée. Je regardé tes photos. Je tenais à te dire que tu es mon genre. Tu es vraiment jolie et séduisant. Peut-être avec le temps pour nous rencontrer. So. Oh my God. Tutu, I hope. I don't know how to translate tutu, whatever. Tutu. Honey, whatever. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. I hope that you are having a good day. And I looked at your photos. I wanted to say to you that you're my type. You're really cute and seductive. Maybe with time we could meet up. That is worse to me because it's so sterile. Yes. After being, like, indiscriminately horny. Okay. But then he flipped. Okay. And went back to being indiscriminately horny. Perfect. In French. <gasps> so this is most recently he said, J'aimerais bien t'avoir devant ma caméra. Okay. So he said, I would love to have you in front of my camera. Ugh. So. Louis Montréal 420. That's right, guys. He's a film pervert. That's... He's a multilingual Multimodal. Pervert. (laughs) Yeah. I hate that he switched to French. He was like, maybe she'll respond to me. Well, he switched back and forth. Yeah. He messaged me. No, you're right. He did like the first three or four in English and then he switched to French. He switched to French. He was hoping you would respond, trying to catch your eye with something different. Yeah, like his username wasn't already fucking Louis Montreal 420. Yeah, like we get it. I know what you're up to. The French messages are so much worse to me. You smoked weed en français. Well, you're French. Yeah. So is especially harmful? Is it doubly harmful to hear me speak French? No, you speak French well. Thank you. I think that I sound stupid speaking French. You don't. Although I have to say, my translation was perfect. It was perfect, Thank yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you spoke French on the podcast before I did. Really? Yeah. When? Right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so, shout out to that guy. <laughs> Should I let him take my pick? Probably. It would be a safe decision, right? Would he fly you to Montreal? You'd have to fly. <laughs> For 20 minutes in the air. <laughs> to shoot. To shoot. Can't for wait. shoot. Can't wait to shoot. Going to a shoot. Can you imagine how bad the pictures would be? Oh my god, they'd be so bad. Yeah. You'd be taking on like, normally, a, like a Nikon. Uh... Yeah, normally being a sets pest makes you a good artist. This guy's definitely But not. I think this guy's just like a, 
a generic like a level pervert i think so he's just he's really yeah. basic yeah he's a bench warmer he when has it no comes to finesse sex pass <laughs> <laughs> maybe not try harder <laughs> all right you have a tweet this week i do have a tweet this week so my tweet this week is from Jackie at Jackie underscore Saba, S-A-B-B-A. She's funny. She is really funny. Her tweet said, I am vegan, but I rarely bring it up during sex. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Does she just mean that that's the only time that she's like distracted enough to not talk about being vegan? Yeah, I think she means that people always say that vegans bring up being vegan all the time Mm -hmm. and she's like well that's not true i almost never bring it up when i'm having sex (laughs) (laughs) i'm not an annoying vegan what's under my foot yeah okay hot take being vegan sucks Mm -hmm. because first of all when you're vegan or if you're plant-based or even if you just try to eat less meat or you're vegetarian pescatarian whatever really staunch vegans always want to tell you that you're not vegan enough. Yeah. Meanwhile, everyone who's not a vegan fucking roasts you so hard for being a vegan. It's so annoying. You can never win. And so I was a vegan. Mm-hmm. I was a vegetarian for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then I was a vegan and I stopped being a vegan. Yeah. And that is extremely controversial. People. People were really mad. My sister stopped being vegan, too. Yeah. And vegetarian. It's almost the tribalism that people engage when it comes to how you eat. And it made sense, of course, like, societally, like, you know, eating together has always, or in a group has always been, like, a bonding activity. Totally. And people bond via, like, sharing resources and stuff. And I always say, like, part of the reason why I learned how to trek besides, like, because... And a single mom who worked all the time (laughs) was because, like, you know, it's an easy way to build, like, strengthen bonds and build relationships and get people to like you to be a good cook and, like, Uh to entertain people, right? But, like, so I understand all of that. But it was such a difficult decision. And I wasn't even a very public vegan. I wasn't tweeting. No. uh, People were just basing it based on... It's worse because it's real life people that were doing it to you because yeah. they obviously had to know you to know that you were vegan or not well, eating meat. Well, that's the thing. It wasn't even like I was being attacked for it uh, on the internet. And I wouldn't say I was being attacked for it in my real life, but I mean, I definitely had a lot to answer to, mm-hmm. to the point that when I was initially thinking about it, like my guilt was so overwhelming on top of the guilt that I already had as someone who mm-hmm. became a vegan. In the first place. In the yeah. first place. And it's like almost one of those things where people feel like they have to like hide it. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. took me a really long time to just be like, you know what? I'm just not a vegan anymore. It's really and disgusting. also the meat eating people were also not cool about it. No, of course not. You know not. what I mean? Just they were like, oh, of course like, you oh, you're turned, back. Of course yeah. you can do it. Like, oh, you're so much better than us. And it's like the problem was with, like I said, me not being a vegan anymore was I don't think I really deserved it because I never purported <laughs> to be better than anyone else i never no. got mad at anyone for eating meat people ate meat in front of me and everything like it was t- always totally fine everyone just needs to mind their own business. i never lectured anyone no but like one thing that i will say is like i was using veganism and a lot of other people were too fuel if not disguise like a very disordered pattern of eating which had taken various forms over the years but being vegan is a very good excuse to not eat in public it is. It's a really good excuse, and it's a really good excuse to restrict 
the amount of food that you're eating if you do have to eat in public. Yes, exactly. So it just wasn't healthy for me to be thinking that much about what I was eating. And, you know, you don't want to have to say things like that to people to get them to stop making fun of you for not being a vegan because then you have to uh, expose yourself and engage in divulging personal information Mm -hmm. and having difficult conversations that you're probably not interested in having. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've had similar experiences with being gluten-free and a bunch of different Mm -hmm. stuff that I'm allergic to, like not eating it, right? Mm -hmm. And I was super, super sick for a long time because I didn't know that I was uh, not supposed to be eating any of those things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, sometimes I eat gluten and obviously I'm not supposed to be and people Mm -hmm. love to ask me about that and be like, oh, so you're just doing it as a fad then you're not really celiac, like, because you're, you're eating, you're eating things with gluten in it or like just being like, oh, so you can eat gluten or like, why are you doing that if it's going to make you sick? It's like, okay, obviously. Obviously, I'm eating something I'm not supposed to be eating and something that's going to make me sick and something that's going to damage my stomach lining because I'm self-harming, so leave me alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, why are you commenting on anything and that anyone's also putting so in their body? people do that with gluten because it's like people don't do that with lactose and so many people are lactose intolerant and nobody gets mad. I mean, I get mad at lactose intolerant people when they eat dairy in front of me, but that's just because I'm lactose intolerant too. Me too. I'm kind of like grow up, just buy lactates. Just stop um, eating dairy. Or don't eat dairy, yeah. But I think that the reason why people are so quick to jump on you for things like that, or even if you go to the gym and people find out that you've been working out, again, even if you don't talk about it, Mm -hmm. as soon as you, if you're not working out all the time as much anymore, which also, again, I'm not doing for similar reasons. Yeah. But people are really quick to jump on being like, oh, I thought you were vegan. Oh, I thought you were a health nut or whatever. And it's because they're doing a really shitty job of disguising the fact that they feel defensive. Of their own habits. About their own habits. They're projecting about how they feel about their own quote unquote unhealthy eating habits. They assume that there's a projection on them or that there's some sort of judgment on them. No, I'm not judging you. I literally literally don't don't care. care. I could care less what anybody else is doing. Yeah. Like, seriously. Yeah. As long as you're not microwaving fish, I literally don't give a fuck. Yeah, same. Or eating eggs. Yeah. No offense. (laughs) Do you have a tweet this week? I do. I do. I retweeted friend of the pod, Todd, Mm a.k.a. Swede Jesus, the mids god, (laughs) a.k.a. mids smoker, a.k.a. at argument winner. Yes. Uh, whose podcast I was just on, by the way, guys. So I was just on his podcast, uh, Beep Bledis, the podcast about weed memes and communism. Yeah. Anyways, so he tweeted today. <laughs> and I'm having a hard time not viewing this as a subtweet because, like I said, I was just on his podcast. But he tweeted today, if you're not an attractive e-girl, the only way to accumulate the coveted reply guy following is to start a podcast. <laughs> You had reply guys before we started the podcast, though. Of course, for years. Yeah. I don't think it's about me. No, it's in, not. In actuality. I think that's very funny. I think it's really funny, too. And it's true. It's true. Because yeah. as soon as you exist in a niche, mm-hmm. you're going to have reply guys regardless of how attractive you are conventionally or otherwise. Yeah. Well, that's how I got a bunch of reply guys. Yeah, true. From, podcast. from the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> which is really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you're not conventionally attractive, but arguably you probably shouldn't be a straight man. I shouldn't be. 
Unless they're trying to fuck Sinead O'Connor or something. (laughs) (laughs) Rose McGowan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Name more bald people. (laughs) G.I. Jane, Demi Moore of his. Oh, there you go. Natalie Portman, V for Vendetta. Nice. Yeah. That's my best reference. Okay, I don't have any more besides that. All all beautiful women. Uh, Rose McGowan, it's up to... (laughs) That's right, everybody. It's time to body shame on the podcast. <laughs> Anyways, Todd's so, super funny. He's really funny, and that that tweet was, like, accurate and funny. But, I mean, if you think about it, think about the increased access. This is probably even way more so a thing for men than it is for women. But think about the increased access you have to people sexually once you enter a niche. Totally. Mm-hmm. Especially... If it's other people in that niche, obviously, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, like, even think about, like, uh, improvisers. Yeah. Do improvisers fuck before they start doing improv? No. no. Do improvisers fuck other improvisers? Oh, hell yeah. Of course. It's disgusting. Do girls with, you know, unattractive girls with podcasts have reply guys? No. no. Do <laughs> unattractive girls that have, let's say, a podcast about Aquaman, the Marvel movie, from a marine biologist's perspective, have reply dies. Absolutely. Of course. They have marine biology reply dies. They have Marvel, Marvel comics reply dies. They have just general science reply dies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, they definitely do. Liberal nerd reply dies. And the other thing is, like, I mean, obviously, you once you have access to that niche, it opens you up to a whole community right Mm -hmm. but those people also have access to you in such an intimate way especially with something like a podcast where they have access to all of your thoughts and opinions about a topic right this is and they can choose whether to engage or not i'm sure that there's lots of people who maybe listen to this podcast who we've never engaged with definitely based on Mm -hmm. the numbers that i've seen shout out there's people yeah shout out to our ghost followers like (laughs) right so they can choose not Mm -hmm. to engage but they still have access to you yeah so it's really weird, honestly, when uh, you meet someone in real life that has followed you on the internet or especially like listened to your podcast before. So and weird. it's like they're immediately intimate with you. And it's like you're like, oh, my God, I don't really know. Unless you're you? maybe if you're like mutuals and it's a, just a Twitter thing. But especially if somebody listens to your podcast, they know you so yeah. well and you don't know. It's really anything weird about them. It's cool, though. It is cool. It's very mm-hmm. it's really. Yeah, it's crazy. It's sweet to not have to tell people what the fuck you're about, I guess. Yeah, instant friend, unless they're a weirdo, but... Yeah, true. But we still like you, you listen. Don't isolate the listeners. I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. That's about it for this week, guys. Mm -hmm. Just going to do a little bit of housekeeping. So, as previously stated, I was a guest on a podcast this week. So, I recorded an episode of Beep Beep Lettuce, which is a podcast about weed memes and communism and you can find that on all the regular podcast places as well as at beep beep leaf on twitter and instagram we had so much fun it was great thank you guys so much again for having me and also if you guys ordered a dumb bitch media shirt we have received the shipment of shirts and we'll be mailing them out this week yeah so they look are coming to getting your shirts mm-hmm. yes and very exciting Um, We will be re-recording the Heidi Matthews episode. Which we're very excited about. And if you're a Toronto comedian, book us on your show. Yep. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye. 
I'm a stupid bitch. I'm a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. I am a stupid bitch. <laughs>